Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. So uh, if you could open up to Luke chapter 10. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we have some here. You can take it and make it yours. Um, If you come here consistently, bring yours uh, because you'll want it. We're going to go through it. We want you to want it. Um, So if you see any um, unstoppable coughing from me coming up here, uh, I'm like you. I'm one of the people that was too tired to raise my hand to say I was tired. You guys didn't raise your hands because you're too tired to raise your hands. But you're all sick. You're all sick because you did too much during Christmas, and now you're beat. And so if I go through some kind of crazy coughing thing, I wasn't prepared enough to bring any water up. So if someone has any spare water and you're not sick, because I don't want your germs on top of my germs, then um, please throw that my way. So we are going to talk about this upcoming year. We're going to talk about the new year. I know you came up with all your resolutions and all your stuff. I don't know if you've seen any good ones, um, but I saw a few good ones just this past week. Uh, Zuckerberg, the guy that started Facebook, I've never heard about this, but I guess he's really big into New Year's resolutions. He's come up with some sweet ones. I don't really like his one this year. His one this year is to read a book every two weeks. Yeah, if you're a billionaire, you got the time to just kick in and read all the time. But um, he had another one where he wrote a thank you letter uh, every day to somebody. It's a pretty good one. You can put that on your list. Corey, write that down. Um... He, he never had any lo- weight loss ones that I know of. Um, I, I've, I've heard of some really amazing ones, but I want you to not have any right now. So if you have any, I would request from you, you consider maybe going home and starting over. And I know some of you spend a lot of time on them. Some of you are really passionate about it. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about New Year's resolutions. But for those of you that have or have goals or... Oh, just in case. Thanks, JT. Look at you, two, two guns of water. Small cups, appreciate that. Um, but I want you to hold off. I mean, because what's going to happen soon is you're going to be in the same situation you were at the end of this year, where people are running into you and you're like, I'm just so busy. Anyone say that at all this past year? That ever slip out maybe? Or if you didn't say it, everybody just knew you were too busy? So instead of getting too busy, why don't we step back and think about what we should say no to. And when we were at the retreat, uh, I was inspired by this one video. And in the video, uh, Rob Bell said this. He said, you can't say no unless you've said yes to something else. Let that sink in for a second. You can't say no to something unless you've said yes to something else. And so my question for us this morning is, what is your yes? I mean, you're going to have plenty of opportunities. So it makes no sense to create a bunch of opportunities right now for you to do when they may not be your yes. Maybe you don't have a yes. Maybe you don't have something you've said yes to. Maybe there's nothing that your life orbits around. But if there isn't something that your life orbits around, your life is going to be like when me and my kids go fishing. And we, you know, grab the fishing poles, which we only bring out a few times a year. And so we don't really, I think you're supposed to maintain them, I've heard. We don't do that. So then we go out, and then as soon as we, like, cast it the first time, then all of the line just goes, and explodes out and tangles itself up. You ever had that happen? 
Maybe like your Christmas lights when you tried to pull them out this last year and you're, you spend most of your time not putting them up but trying to untangle them. Well, that's what's going to happen to your life if you don't have a yes. It just spins and everything, it's just this big hairball. And so the question is, what is your yes? You can't say no to something unless you've said yes to something else. So what is it that you've said yes to? And as followers of Jesus Christ, we do have to say yes. Because some of you are like, oh, that's easy for me. I just don't do anything. It's just safer that way. Well, that's what the man said who was given, um, when Jesus shared the parable about giving the different gifts, different resources, different talents. The, the talent actually means money. So he's given, they were given different money. And one of them decided, I don't, I don't know what to do with this, so I'm just going to bury it. And then when he comes back, I'll just give it to him. So I don't lose it, I'll just give it back to him. And this is what Jesus responded to that here in Matthew 25. This is from the message translation. He said, take the thousand, thousand talents that I gave this guy who buried it and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. That's one of those intense moments where you're like, wow, Jesus, a little intense, huh? But yeah, he expects us to have a yes. That's, you were he, you're here for a reason. We have a purpose. And so it's very important that we understand what that yes is. Otherwise, we just get derailed the whole way. And we end up being like a hairball. Sometimes when I'm sharing the message, I never really know what I'm going to say. I kind of have a direction. And I've noticed how many times I've said hairball. So that may come up a bunch more times because it just seems to make sense. Because so many times, if you look back, you're 2014, you're 13, you're 12... There's just so much hairball to it. There's so much tangled up. So I'm going to get a lot more hairball this morning. I can feel it coming. So what I want you to do is um, open up to Luke chapter 10. Um, but what's beautiful here is we're, is we're looking at Luke chapter 10 is that there is a, a flow of what's happening in the entire book of Luke. Because what's happening in the entire book of Luke, probably more so than in the other books, is that Luke is making it very clear that Jesus has a clear yes. He himself has a yes. He has his eyes, as we see in Luke chapter 9, he has his eyes resolutely set towards Jerusalem. He knows where he's headed. His direction is Jerusalem, where he's going to go and he's going to die on the cross. He's headed there. As he says later in Luke, he says, no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. He also says, uh, says in Luke chapter 13, he talks about where he's going. Where is he headed? Jerusalem. 17, Jerusalem. Luke 18, Jerusalem. Luke 19, he's heading to Jerusalem. You can see that he's, he's got all these other things happening. But he knows where he's going. He knows who he is. And he knows where he's going. And it finishes where he tells his Father in heaven, not my will, but yours be done. That's his yes. That's why he's heading to Jerusalem. My wife and I, last night, we were looking at pictures. She's like, is that Paris? I went, yeah. She goes, we got to go there someday. That's not what's happening here with Jesus. He's not like, oh, I've always wanted to see Jerusalem. No, it's not about the place. It's about him saying, not my will, but yours be done. And he's now two miles outside of Jerusalem. Like, he's there. It's coming about. And here in Luke chapter 10 we see that he comes upon Mary and Martha. And so if you could, 
um, I want you to go into Luke chapter 10 now because that's where we're going to spend most of our time. We are supposed to be in Luke chapter 10. Okay, 38, verse 38. So I have it up here, but if you have a Bible, I'd love you to look at it. Because I'd love you to know where this is so when you go home and you think about this upcoming year and you're yes, you can, you can sit here. And so we see here, I want to read through it and then I want to give you some background on it. So as they were traveling along, the disciples, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So he's in Bethany. And... Think about when you know, think about that big book report you had to give, right? Back when you were in school. For those of you who are in still school, you know what I'm talking about. And you've got all this pressure. Where Jesus is headed is the mother of all book reports. This is where his life has been focused. And he's two miles away from it. And so he goes into a home, a home with people that are friendly to him, people he knows. Mary and Martha are his friends. And so he walks into this home and he's carrying all of this stress. And we know he's stressed about it because we know that when he's closer and he's actually in Jerusalem, that he actually sweats so much so that he, he sweats blood. That's how much pressure he's under because he knows where he's headed. He knows what his yes is. And so he's sitting there in this home and he walks in and Martha, she is ready to go. Like, she's up and she's cooking. She's, I mean, you know who Martha is, right? I mean, Martha is, she's the one that's up early. She's the one that's up early. And before the sun has risen, like, she's got her Lululemon pants on and she's ready to run. So she goes and she does her workout and she comes back. And then she, she, opens, up, uh, she opens up the word and she reads in it and she prays. And then she gets all the lunches made. And then she makes a breakfast and she makes this quiche thing with some special fruit that she's cut. And she's gone into the market to get the fruit. But the fruit, like it's not just normal fruit. Like there's no, it's never right. It's like the best fruit. Because she just, you know, she's, she's that one. Um, and and she's, she's figured out what she's going to do because she has her own Pinterest page. She has a gazillion followers because everybody knows that Martha has got it going on. Um, I mean, she's, that's who Martha is. And she does it because that's her gift. She's good at it. And so when Jesus comes, she wants to give her best to Jesus. And so she's in there and she's cooking and she's getting everything ready. And then we see that, that Mary's at his feet. And if you don't understand the culture, what's happening here, she's there because that's what the, the lowest in the household does. She's the younger sister, Mary. And as the younger sister, um, she's the one that's expected to wash the feet of the guests. Because that's what they do. When you see later, when you see when Jesus at Passover washes the disciples' feet. And they're like, you can't do that because why? Because he's the rabbi. It's supposed to be the lowest, the, the servant, the, the, the youngest, the lowest on the totem pole. The person that, that can never get shotgun, that always has to sit in the back. That's who washes the feet. 
And so Mary's the youngest in the house. We don't hear about any, you know, men in this particular house. We know they have a brother, Lazarus. We don't know if he lives in the house. But Mary's the one that's at his feet, and she's washing his feet. Mary most likely wakes up about a half hour late. Um, she doesn't have her own Pinterest page. In fact, if she tried to do it, have you ever heard of Pinterest fails? That would be her. She doesn't even bother. Martha does all that. And we don't really know too much more about Mary. But what we do know about Mary is this. We see her three times in the Bible. And then all three times we see her with Jesus, we see her at his feet. At this instance, um, when her brother Lazarus is dead, we see her at the feet. And another time we see her at the feet. That right there shows this, this model of humility, teachability, an emptiness, a surrender. And so they're in there and they're talking. And think about everything that's happened in Jesus' life. I mean, it's, it's culminating right here. And so we don't know exactly what they talked about, but most likely it was about everything that's happening. Everything that's happened all the way up to this point. And maybe he even shared some of his stress. I mean, he's the son of God. But he's also human. And he's dealing with something that no one in the history of man has ever had to deal with carrying all of our sins and the burden of setting us free. And so they're sitting there having this conversation. You could see Martha. She's in the other room. It's not a big place. I mean, the, the houses in, in at Jesus' time were you know, basically one to maybe two-bedroom places max. And so she's in there cooking, and she's listening in also. But pretty soon, the discussion turns to just voices. She can't hear it anymore because she's sweating. She's kneading the bread. She's getting it all going. And by that time, not only is she just hearing voices, but as she's hearing it, she's just getting irritated. Like, oh, so like Mary. Like, because she's getting tired, right? Her arm's starting to hurt. She's sweating. Uh, and she's like, oh. And so she throws down the bread and goes into the other room. Jesus? Like, she's not only ticked at her sister now, she's like, she's cutting Jesus here too. Can you tell my sister doesn't even give her a name, right? You know, like when you have kids, your son did this. Like, you know, just totally disassociate yourself, right? My sister, she's not helping. Can you tell her to get in here and help me? And I want us to look at Jesus' response here. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. He says her name twice. Several times, Jesus, when he says people's name, he says it twice. With Simon Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Then with um, Saul, uh, when he meets him on the road to Damascus, he says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? There's something important here. He's saying her name twice. There's a pivotal moment in her life if she's willing to listen. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. By any chance, is anyone here worried about so many things? But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, and it shall not be taken away from her. What has Mary chosen? She said yes to sitting and being instructed by Jesus. 
That doesn't mean that Martha's against this. It just means that she's gotten so distracted by other things. She wants to please Jesus, and so she's doing all these things. Why is she doing it? She's doing it out of love, but she's gotten lost because she's lost what really matters. What happens so often in, in a community of faith is we think we have to do all these things to please God. And yet it might not be something that God has given you to do. Yet we take it on because, well, I mean, God would be happy if I do this. God's happy. He loves you. But that might not be the yes that he's given you. There is a time to cook. They need to eat. But somehow in the midst of doing this, she's lost her way. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered. If you're worried and bothered, you're probably not where the Lord wants you to be. And you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So for me, the reason that I'm sharing this, like most of the time, is because I'm wrestling with this in my own life. Um, A long time ago, I made a decision to um, clarify and to simplify my life. And the problem is, is that I always find a way to mess that up and to be worried and bothered about so many things. And, and the, the new year is a great time to strip all that away. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning, and they had to move. And when you move, it is the greatest way to strip your life. There's just so much stuff that you meant to get rid of that you never got rid of, and then you can't. It's a hassle, but it's beautiful. And for the beginning of this year, what if you actually went down to zero and started from scratch? What if you gave yourself permission to start from zero and not worry about pleasing anybody? Because let's face it, most of what our craziness is, not just trying to please God, but trying to please other people. Um, I heard this great quote, um, we have this disease to please. And with that disease to please, we take on all these requirements and we say yes to all these things that we don't really want to say yes to. We want to make people happy, so we say yes to it whether it be your parents, whether it be friends, whether it be work, whether it be neighbors. Yes, 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 because you just don't seem to have the strength to say no because maybe you haven't chosen something else more powerful to say yes to. And so as you're looking at this upcoming year, what if you simplified to the point where you just said, look, what is it that is going to guide me? What is it that I'm going to let light my way? And we look here at this situation with Mary and Martha, and there's so much that happens in their lives afterwards. But when he said to her, to Martha, Mary has chosen the one thing. That is something I held on to. If, if, you, if, seen, if you walk into our house, we have a, a, a picture frame that says one thing. If you ever get an email from me, it says one thing in the you know, signature. Um, It's something that I have to say all the time to keep me focused. For me, that comes from Matthew 22, 36 through 40, because I know it's what God has called me to in my life. Um, If you don't know what Matthew 22, 36 through 40 is, it's really for all of us. It is the one thing. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What's the, the biggest yes that we need to say yes to? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we can put that up here on the screen. We have it, but like you should find it. You should memorize that because that is our yes. That's our big, that's our big arrow. That's our Jerusalem. And so for me, that, you know, I, so I, I need to keep the main thing the main thing. How do I do that? 
And so I used it by using that one thing. And the one thing for me is to love God. And to simplify that even more, it means to have that friendship with God. It means to have such a, a intimacy with him that I spend time with him and come to him for direction for where I'm going to go and what my life is going to look like. And so for me, I, I wrote it down as a mission statement for, my, for myself and my family, as leading my family, to nurture, enjoy, and share the one thing. So to nurture, that means for me to nurture that in my life, to make sure like, like a tree that I'm making sure I'm getting watered, and to make sure that I'm getting sun, to make sure that the, the land is tilled up, you know, so that it doesn't get so packed down that nothing can get to me. Like, you are responsible for taking care of your soul. The greatest thing you could do is to take care of your soul. It's the best way you can love other people. So to nurture that, to, to um, share, like to share this goodness. That's part of the reason why I got into um, official ministry. We're all in ministries we've talked about. Every member in the body of Christ is a minister. But for me specifically, I knew God called me out to do just that, not to do business anymore, do other things like this is what he's called me to. How did that come about? By me sitting at his feet. And the other thing is just to enjoy it, to nurture, share, and enjoy this. It is a gift. It's a blessing. I love what it says in Hebrews about Jesus, that for the joy set before him, he fixed his eyes on the cross. Jesus, for the joy set before him. There is joy in this journey. This is not like, oh, yeah, I better follow Jesus. No, this is beautiful. There's more joy. I am selfish. I chose this life because it's good. It's better than any other options I had before. It's better than my life was before. There's goodness in it. God has given us the blessing of the ultimate yes. So I wonder what I wonder what Martha did after that. Because we don't see here. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed only one. But Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We have that opportunity. This is the beginning of the year. This is the opportunity for you to figure out what is your yes. What is it that is going to direct and guide you? And this is what I'd like to, to call us to as a community of faith. I am not going to assume that all of you wake up in the morning and seek the Lord. Because the reality is, even those of us who have made that decision, struggle with it every day. And I don't want us to keep beating around the bush and assuming, yeah, of course, we're all seeking the Lord. But we're not. And it doesn't have to be in the morning, but let's face it, what a great way to start the day, right? What a great way to start the day than to say, Lord... Let's face it, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I belong to you. Can you give me some guidance today on what it is that matters to you? Because you're my ultimate yes. I want to, like Mary, to sit at your feet, to be humble, to be teachable, and I want to be able to let go and have you direct my path. Because many of you, like me, are facing crazy stuff in front of us. We are worried and stressed and anxious about many things. But the beauty is that we can be reminded that only one thing is necessary. And that's to be teachable. That's to be willing to move at any moment. And I do mean that literally. Like move at any moment. To be willing to say no to anything at any moment because you've said yes 
to him because you put your trust in the Son of God and said, look, I follow you. You are my Lord. You're not just my Savior. You're my Lord. You're my boss. And I will follow you. What would our life look like if we did that every day through the day? I had a friend that was telling me um, recently, she was talking about her dad. Her dad's quite old now. And she said, my dad always had his Bible with him. Always had it with him. She was one of my best memories. It's just He'd always have his Bible with him. And she had this picture of him sitting on a stool, actually just like this. And he was talking somewhere, and he had his beat-up old leather Bible all folded over. And she talked about all the marks in it. And she said one of her best memories was waking up in the morning and seeing him with his Bible and his coffee. Because that's what he did every day. And what kind of memory, what kind of legacy is that for his family? What kind of legacy is that for the many of you who, who have a mom that does that? That wakes up and you just know that she's doing the best she can to seek the Lord. My mentor, um, uh, Larry Anderson, said that um, he was not the best kid. And he said that he, uh, he, he had skipped school. He was out doing stuff with his friends and he's sneaking back into the house. And he snuck back into the house and he could hear his mom upstairs praying for him out loud father you know i don't know what i'm doing i take larry and i just i put him into your hands lawrence is yours and he's down there going uh oh and he just the way he said he said he just slowly backed up on the stairs went out the door and went back to school he was in awe of his mom. Not that she was just praying for him, just in awe of his mom. When nobody was looking and nobody knew she was seeking the Lord out of love for little Lawrence. She knew what her yes was. She had surrendered to the Lord. She had surrendered even her own son to the Lord. The beauty of being sick like I am right now is that you just can't be funny and you just can't keep going. And so it just strips down to the basics. Have you noticed that we just have like Tyler and Josh up here. With all of the craziness, it's nice to strip it down and to be simple. And I want to sum it up with just this. Make this the year where you say yes, and to simplify that even more, that you will come to the Lord, like Mary, at his feet, and be teachable and willing to be instructed. Don't worry about direction in your life or where you're going to go. Just make sure that you're teachable, that you can be instructed. So I want to pray for us. We're going to bring, um, bring the boys back up. We don't ever get to say that. You know, they usually have a full band, and so I get to say the boys. But we're going to bring them up. And um, can you please stand with me and pray? The offering is going to come around. If you're visiting, please just put a connection card in it. Um, but let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word which guides, teaches, inspires. But ultimately, Father, we are thankful for you. Loving us so much that you sent us your only son. And we hunger, Lord, to say yes to you. And... uh, We ask that you would keep our chins up this year. 
And may we, like your son, have our eyes fixed. Fixed on you. Not our will, but yours be done. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.